Hi there, welcome to the Causeway Coast Vineyard podcast. We are a church who are passionate about seeing the transformation of individuals and institutions in our city through the generations to see all things new in our community. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, we believe in a God who speaks to us, a God who doesn't just speak through his written word, but also his living word through the Holy Spirit. And as I was praying this week for uh, just uh, for the service, for different things that were happening this week, God spoke to me about uh, just a few different people. He also spoke to my nine-year-old uh, about someone as well. So I want to just take a little bit of time before the start. Some people have already responded to these words uh, in the 9.30, so that may be uh, that we've, we've dealt with everyone that came up to me at the end of the service. But there's one, one word I want to start with. Um, that wasn't responded to. And I want to, you may be online, you may be in this room, or maybe I just had too much cheese, but I want to give this word. I saw a picture of a girl, and you were in a sweatshirt. I believe the color is blush, right? Guys, I didn't even know that existed. We, we know there's five colors, but apparently there's way more than that. So you, you may be wearing it this morning, your blush sweatshirt. Uh, you wear glasses, I think they're round. Um, and you have brown hair in a ponytail. Are you here? <laughs> it's quite specific. Uh, anyone wearing that sweatshirt, brown hair, ponytail, round glasses, give me a wave. It should become fairly obvious to you. <laughs> and if there's no one, that's okay. Okay, all right. Um, Two other words, one that my, my nine-year-old asked him to pray this week to see what the Lord uh, might have to say. And uh, as he was praying, he just looked at me and he went, Eglinton. Now, if you're not from Northern Ireland, uh, you will not know what that is. Eglinton is a place uh, in, in Northern Ireland. So I wonder, is there anyone in the room here and you are from Eglinton or you live in Eglinton? And if that's you, please stand up. Oh, do we have someone? Did someone stand up? Okay, okay, okay. That's good. Now, here's the thing. I actually have no idea what God wants to say beyond this. Um, I should call my nine-year-old down from the kids' environments and get him to pray. But, but I'd, love to, I'd love to just pray for you both. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord, would you rest in them today? Holy Spirit, would you fill them? Would you fill them? Hmm. Yeah, just for full disclosure, I do know these three people, by the way, just so we know that. But Holy Spirit, would you just come and would you just rest on them? Lord, begin to bring your increase. Lord, speak what it is that you have for them today. I sense that uh, there's been times in your life where you guys feel like you've just been halfway there, like never quite making it to the place that you really wanted to get to. And I just feel that there's an invitation from the Lord in this season that, that he's gonna bring you all the way. So the bits where you've prayed and you've seen small answers to prayer, you've seen small things happen, but you're like, that's not just the fullness of it all just yet. I sense that the Lord's releasing that over you in this season. So Holy Spirit, would you come rest on them? Lord, wherever it is they need that fullness. God, whether that's in family life, whether that's in working life, whatever it is, God, would you begin to bring your abundance and your fullness, Lord, where you've spoken promises in their life, God, would you bring them through to fulfillment today? Holy Spirit, give them more. Give them more. 
Amen. You can take your seat. Um, the other word that, that, that uh, I had this week was uh, someone, and you've just replaced a window. I think it's at the front of, it could be a house, it might even be a vehicle, but, but you've had to replace, or maybe you're just about to replace a window at the front of your house uh, or the front of your car or vehicle. If that's you, why don't you just stand? Um, someone did respond to this at the end of 9.30, so it may have just been for that service, but is there anyone? No? At least not that you know about it. It might be someone doing your window now <laughs> when, you, when you're in the service. That you, <laughs> I'll not prophesy that, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> Um, and uh, online, uh, guys, if any of that, uh, please do put that in the chat and some of the team would love to pray for you if that is you. Right, I will move on quickly. Um, there's a guy in the Bible called David. David uh, wrote a huge number of, uh, of, a, of, of the Psalms, okay? So a book in the Bible called the Psalms and David wrote a huge number of the Psalms. I wanna start just by reading from Psalm 139 verses one to 10. It's gonna be in the message. It's gonna pop up on the screen here now. This is what it says. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I am an open book to you even from a distance. You know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there to your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go to underground, you're there. If I flew on the morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. David at this point isn't trying to get away from God. He's not writing it as the sense of like, oh goodness me, could I not just escape? He talks about the reassuring presence of God. Really what David's describing in this moment is this sense of being chosen, of being loved, of being desired, of being known. He's communicating the sense that he is so surrounded by God and he is known in that moment. And, and as I read that and as I thought about that, I thought that's one of the deepest human desires that we have, isn't it? To be known to know that God sees us. For you guys that responded today, that was just a small way of God saying, I see you. And that's what we all want. We wanna, we wanna be known, we wanna be chosen, we wanna be loved, we wanna be desired. It's a deep human need. Do you know, I, I, I'm someone in my life, I've just been really, I don't know if the right word is blessed, lucky, I don't know what it is, but I've always known that I'm loved. I've got a wonderful family. There's never been a moment in my life where I felt I couldn't lift a phone or reach out to someone who I knew loved me. I was never at a point in my life where I felt completely isolated like that. I'm so grateful for that. But here's the thing, although on the outside I always looked like I was connected and I had people around me and there was friends that were close by, I gotta be really honest, for pretty much all of my life, I've just felt slightly on the outside of friendships. That's not thunder, that's the kids' environments returning, by the way. Um, it's not the Lord from the heavens saying, I agree. But I've always felt on the outside, like, so there's been friendships here, and I've kind of just felt like they're there, and I'm just a bit here. 
It's not that I didn't or I don't have friends. I did have friends. It's not like there's a long list of people who hate me, okay? Don't we have... Right? There's not like long lists of people who didn't like me. There was one kid in school, forgotten all about him, Ian. <laughs> and uh, I remember him announcing in chemistry his dislike for me. It's fine. I didn't like Ian either. So, but other than Ian and maybe a few other people, there's not this long list of people who didn't like me. It's not, it's not that I was shunned in all of those places, but the truth is I'm never quite sure that I ever felt known. I was there physically, but emotionally, I was kind of like, do they really care about me? Do they really know me? And do you know, I was really jealous of those people that, that I call now like the core friends, like the people who were always in the middle, the people who, do you know, I didn't have WhatsApp groups in school, <laughs> I'm way too old for that, but do you know if there's like a WhatsApp group and says everyone meeting up and everyone's like, yeah, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, and then the core friend says, no, I'm not, and everyone kind of goes, oh, well, actually, I was sort of busy. And I sort of always wanted to be that core friend, the one that everything revolved around, the one that everyone wanted to be with. I was jealous of them. And do you know what? I turned 40 this year. I still feel the same. I still feel the same. But I've learned something about that emotion that has really helped me in this. And I wanna share with you just a secret that I've learned. I've been, I think it was this week actually, that I've now worked for either a church or a Christian organization for nearly, I'm entering my 18th year of doing that kind of work. That's how long I've been doing it. And um, I, in all of those years, I've met loads and loads of people and they've come to me and they've talked to me and shared different things about their life and about their journey. And do you know what? So many people, I've lost count of the number of people that have just described exactly what I've described. That they, that they have people in their life but they feel slightly on the outside. That there's this group of people but they're slightly on the margins. That they've always wanted to be the one that everyone wanted to hang out with but they've never quite felt that belonging or knowing that. I've heard countless stories of that. And do you know what? After years and years and years and years and years and years and years of hearing those stories, I started to ask myself a question. Well, where are the people in the middle? If everyone is coming to me asking me the same thing and saying the same thing, where are the people that are in the middle? Maybe they're just so connected they never need to talk to me. Or other people, and maybe I'm just so on the fringes they don't want to go and talk to me. And I started to think about all, but you know what? I want to let you into a secret today because the truth is most of us in the room right now are feeling that same thing that I'm feeling. And what I've done is I've actually looked for and I found a picture of those people that are in the middle. I found a picture of the people that have so many friends and so much connection that they don't even know what to do. Do you want to see a picture of them? Here they are. They don't exist. They don't exist. Everyone, take a big breath. <sighs> they don't exist. We have been living a lie. I've spent 40 years of my life trying to be that person in the middle only to find out that no one feels like that. Even the ones that I thought were in the middle tell me that they're not in the middle. <laughs> it's an isolating lie of the enemy. What the enemy has done is he wants to isolate us because he knows God's desire is to do what David talks about in that psalm where God is around us. If we go up high, if we go down low, wherever we go, God's there. But the enemy wants to lie and break that and say, no, you're on your own. 
You're isolated. And he's isolated each one of us. So then that means we don't even want to share it with each other. Because if we share it, what are we scared about? Well, that's going to isolate us more. So I'll not share that. It's an isolating lie of the enemy. And the truth is, we were feeling like this 2019, and then came COVID. And COVID took something that we were already feeling emotionally, and it made it physical. So it took something we were already feeling, I'm on the margins, I'm not, I, yeah, I'd love to be there, like I know they love me, but do they really know me? And then what COVID said is you must isolate or our response to it. And I'm not making a comment on government or whether we should or shouldn't, none of that stuff. That's just what we have to do. And what it did is it just multiplied that feeling again, right? We didn't even have the physical thing of being there with people and feeling on the margins. We were on the margins. And what we have realized as we've looked at this and as we come into this autumn and into something that looks a bit more like what it used to is what we've realized is that this gap that exists in our culture isn't going to close in its own. That's why we want to close the space between us because it isn't going to happen magically. It's going to require us stepping into it. And so for the next um, number of weeks, we're really going to be looking at that together. Because here's the thing. It's one thing to know that a lie has been told. But until we live out the truth, the lie will always gain our attention. So it's one thing to know that a lie has been told. That's really helpful. But until we live out the truth, the lie will always gain our attention. So for these next six or seven, seven or eight weeks, actually, we're going to be looking at this topic. We're going to be actually unpacking what God's true design of connection is. What is it that he has in mind for us? What is it that he's gonna do for us in the midst of all of that? We are gonna be moving from isolation to family because that's what we wanna see in our community. We wanna see a move from isolation towards family. And that's what the goal of this series is gonna be, is how do we begin to do that as a community from isolation to family? In Psalm 68, we read this in verses four to six. This is what it says. Sing to God, sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him, his name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. In the message, it describes God as a father of orphans, the champion of widows, and he creates home for the homeless. The reason we stopped at 6a is because 6b says, but the rebellious will live in a sun-scorched land. It's less encouraging. (laughs) But it does show how serious God takes this. He doesn't want communities where isolation lives. It's going to be a really jarring series. It's not going to be comfortable. I know it would have been nice for us all to kind of be returning to services and just have a nice wee walk in, but it's not going to be that. Why? Because we've been living this life for far too long. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to paint kind of a wide picture of where it is that we're going, what it is that we're aiming at. It's something that I've been working on, and uh, along with Liz, who's our family's pastor here, and I just want to take the time to share that with you today. Uh, Tori, at the very beginning of the service, talked about a 100-year vision, and, and that's a dream that we as a church have. We don't want just something that exists for our lifetime, but we want it to go beyond generations beyond us, that we live in a way today so that generations in the future can walk in 
into more. And one of the families that we felt that God was highlighting to us in this season is that we wanted to be a family of connection in our community, that we wanted to see a family of connection established in our community. And I know you've all memorized what that means, but we're just gonna put it up on the screen just in case any of us forgot. But family of connection, we say that our 100-year dream is to see a move of God in our communities which will result in every family And that means every individual being marked by loving connection and prioritizing, practicing, and promoting healthy, inclusive relationships in all areas of their lives. We're gonna leave that up there for just a little minute. This will be a move of God to move from isolation to family. Isolation to connection will be a move of God, okay? It isn't just about us doing stuff. It has to be a move of God. It has to be birthed in his spirit. It has to be sustained by his spirit. But here's the thing. When we read this book, the Bible, and we actually look at how God moves, do you know how he always moves? He always moves through his people. He always moves through his people, those who are following him. So when we're talking about this move from isolation to family over the next 98 years that we've got left in this, here's the thing. It's not gonna happen by God descending with a magic cloud, thunder and lightning, and then all of a sudden the cloud will lift and we'll all go, oh, I feel connected and family. That's not what it's gonna look like. Do you know what it's gonna look like? It's gonna look like a ragtag bunch of people of all shapes and sizes who are gonna live every day knowing that they are loved and loving their community into life. Why don't you turn to your neighbor, point at him and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> say it. He's talking about you. It's probably just worth saying, right? and I got a message uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago after I spoke from someone who'd watched online who said that this looked like I was drinking Guinness. Um, <laughs> I'd just like to make it very clear this is water, and it's not Guinness. Sorry to, anyway, we'll just move on. Um, So let's remind ourselves, the goal is the moving from isolation to family. And what we're not talking about is a community where everyone knows everyone, but we are talking about a community where everyone is known. So it's not that everyone knows everyone, but it is a community where everyone is known. Now we're gonna fly through a bit of this now, and then I wanna land it with something just right at the end. But for us as the church, to be able to see this move from isolation to family. And I apologize about these slides. These are my diagrams and I need to make them better so we can all see them. So we'll work on that. So I apologize about that. But we wanna see this move from isolation to family. Here's the four things that we're gonna need to know if we're gonna do that. The first thing that we need to know is that that we are called by God to bring connection to the community around us. We're called by God to do this, okay? Every single person in this room, every single person watching online, we were created in the image of God. There's something about how each of us look that, is, that reflects his image in some way. All shapes, all sizes, all ages, all stages, we reflect his image. If we reflect his image and if we have chosen to follow him, so those of us in the room or watching online who've decided to enter into a relationship with Jesus, therefore we are called to, to reflect his will on the earth. Okay, so we already know that his will is to see the lonely set in families. Therefore, we are called to set the lonely in families. We are taught by Jesus to pray that his will would be done as on earth as it is in heaven. Is there isolation in heaven? Shout out. No. Should there be isolation on earth? No. Not if the will of the Father is being carried out. So we are called 
to do this. Romans 8 verse 28 says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Everyone say called. You can do it again. Everyone say called. There's gonna be lots of opportunity to do that, so get your practice in. But here's the thing about being called, okay? You don't call someone or appoint someone to a job if you don't trust them. Okay, so uh, there's um, parents in the room, okay? Let, let's use a parent reference in this. So uh, we're in a season now where we can go out and have dinner, where we can visit people in their homes a little bit more. That means that we need babysitters or childminders, right? Now, how many parents in the room when they're looking for a childminder or a babysitter just open the door and grab the first person that they see walking past? Say, you look after my kids. Anyone? Don't put up your hand. There's cameras. Social services are watching. We don't, right? We only ask someone to do that that we trust. A family member, a friend, or, or, some, or a company that vetted babies, whatever it is. But we only bring people in that we've trusted to do that. That's not just someone we grab. What if we got a new car and, and someone in the street just said, you've got a new car, can I drive it? What do we say? No. But we might do it with someone that we trust. Someone who we know is going to look after, okay? So God isn't going to call us unless he trusts us. So the second thing that we need to know is that we are trusted by God for the job in hand. We are called to bring connection and we are trusted by God. Do you know that God actually trusts each of us more than we trust ourselves? He trusts us way more. Right? Again, the image that I, that I see, one of the other things that have been opening over the past couple of months are swimming pools. And it, it, I've noticed that loads of kids, like they've forgotten how to swim. It's been like 18 months. And I remember talking to a few families about this, but, but I, I just got this image of, you know, you, you see the, the kids standing at the edge of the swimming pool and the instructor or the parent or the grandparent or uncle, aunt, whatever, is standing in the water and they're saying to the kid, come on, jump on in, jump on in. And the kid's like, I don't want to, I'm scared. And the kid's worried because it, the kid is doubting that they'll be able to float, that they'll be able to swim, that they'll be able to make it to the side. But what does the adult say in the water? Is that, I got you. I believe in you. I know that you're not going to sink. And you know what? Even if you do sink, which we don't say out loud, I'm going to make sure that I grab you and get you to the side. Well, that's what God does with us. He trusts us more than we trust ourselves. He said, you've got to do this thing. Don't worry that you think you might sink. I've got you. Why don't we say trusted? trusted. Say it again, trusted. trusted. Okay, so we're called by God to bring community. We're trusted by God for the job and had. Thirdly, we are equipped by God to do it. We're equipped by God to do it. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 3, verses four to six. It says, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. If you're here and you're following Jesus, if you're watching and you're following Jesus, you have the Spirit of life in you. That means that you are fully equipped, that we are fully equipped to do all things. We have access to heaven's resources. That means we can do it. But you might be looking at me going like, no, I'm not equipped. And I'm telling you, you are because God says you are. Whatever is in your hands today, 
If you're a follower of Jesus, it's enough to do what he's called you to do. But here's the thing. Sometimes we don't get to work out how equipped we are until we actually start to do the stuff. I was the first year, I think, in Northern Ireland that had to do a written theory test when it came to driving, okay? So um, if you, I think if you were older than me, you got asked a few questions in the car. That's not to downplay your uh, achievement. You were wonderful. But I remember I had to go to like the test center and we had to fill out all this thing. And, but here's the thing. When I passed that theory test, when I walked out of that exam, no one handed me keys to the car and said, all right, on you go. You've got all the knowledge. You know how far to break. You know how to mirror signal maneuver because you've, you've got all of this knowledge. No, they said, no, you've got to pair that up with experience. You've got to get out on the road. You've got to hold the steering wheel. You've got to actually learn how to do all of those things. You need the knowledge, but you must also have the experience. And when it comes to doing this stuff with Jesus, it's not enough for us to sit in services or small groups and just bring in more knowledge. We'll only understand how we're equipped when we begin to put it into practice. God tells us, You'll need the knowledge, but you need the experience. It can't be all knowledge and it can't be all experience. It must be both, okay? So why don't you say equipped? So we are called by God to be connectors. We are trusted by God for the job in hand and we are equipped by God to do it. And then the fourth thing that we need to understand is that we are released by God to go do it. Matthew 28, the Great Commission says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, shout out the next word if you know it. Seven of us. Therefore, go. We are released to do the stuff. Okay, quick revision because we're going to go through it a bit more. What's the goal? It's the goal is to move from isolation to family. What does that mean? It means that we are shouted out, called, trusted, equipped, and released then the next question naturally then is, well, why are we released to do it? Where? Well, everywhere. That's the cheat answer. But I want to highlight four spaces, and we're going to do this really quickly, four spaces that I believe that God has released us to do this. These are four spaces that we all move in and work in in our day-to-day lives, okay? The first space is community spaces, So I'll become clear as we come to the end. We, all of us, are are in community spaces. These are spaces where we're around very large groups of people and where we have, but we don't have huge connection with them, right? So if you've ever walked up the town anywhere, that's a community space. If you've ever walked down the beach when there's lots of other people, that's a community space. If you've ever been in the prom on a Sunday night in Port Stewart, it's a large group of people, but very low connection. But we're all in those spaces. We don't know everyone there. We might bump into some people but we are in community spaces. The second space that we go into are crowd spaces. These are spaces that are still pretty large and and we have some better connection, but it's still rather limited, okay? So think about going to the supermarket. Think about going to a football match or a concert. Everyone who's gathered there has the same kind of reason for being there, but it doesn't mean that we know everyone there. But we're in those kind of spaces, right? What about this? Like a service like this. It's a large group of people We're all here for the similar reason, but we don't know everyone in this space. 
And so we inhabit these kind of crowd spaces. Then there's connect spaces. And these happen to be start to be smaller spaces where we have good connection. We start to know people. Think about your workplace, depending on the size of your workplace. Think about maybe if you're invited to like a bigger party or something, or a wedding or something like that. There's like, it's smaller than that. There's some good connections. We do know people and we begin to operate in those spaces. Or if you've been part of a hub here at Causeway Coast Vineyard Church, that would be what we'd call a connect space. And then the last that we want to talk about is our close spaces. Now, these are intimate spaces where there's a strong connection. Uh, having coffee with your friends, inviting someone around for dinner, maybe a small group or something like that, but it's a smaller space, a close space where we have intimate relationships. That's, we know the people that are there. That's what begins to happen in that space. So we've got these four spaces. Now, I hope you've remembered all of this. So we're going to revise it again. The goal is moving from isolation to what? Family. Isolation to family. In order for us to see a community move from isolation to family, we're going to have to remember that we are what? Called, trusted, equipped, and released. Where are we going to do those things? We're going to do them in community spaces. We're going to do them in crowd spaces. We're going to do them in connected spaces, and we're going to do it in close spaces. Now, what happens when we understand all of that? What actually happens when we begin to put that into practice, partnering with the Holy Spirit? Well, let me tell you, something incredible can begin to happen. And here's the first thing, and this is where we really wanna spend just a little bit of time and just to let this rest. The first thing that's gonna happen when we begin to do this is we're gonna move from being consumers to welcomers. When we start to live out those truths, we're gonna, be cons- we're gonna move from being consumers to welcomers. Can you imagine if we began to change our mindset to thinking that this town owes me This beach is there for my pleasure. This prom is there for my ice cream. To actually begin to say, I wanna welcome the world into this. When I walk down the town, it's not about me getting what I need, but I say, I wanna welcome everyone into that space. Doesn't matter that I don't own it. But imagine that shift began to happen. If you're here today, um, maybe you're watching online and you're not from here, could you just put your fingers in your ears a wee minute? Just a wee minute, just lightly. I want to speak to the locals. Now, locals, can we just confess that how many of us have said over the summer, I can't wait till those visitors go home, (laughs) right? Have we all thought that when we've been queuing at the prom and all that stuff, right? Let's just admit it. Okay, visitors, take your fingers out of yours. We love that you're here. Thank you so much for coming to the North Coast. Guys, imagine that changed. Imagine that change. Imagine we just kept saying, welcome, thank you for coming. Thank you for, for, for paying for coffees in our businesses. Thank you for helping our businesses survive through what's been a difficult season. Thank you for coming and enjoying this coast. Thank you, welcome, 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 welcome. Do you know what? Even though I have to sit in my car a bit longer around the ring road, I'm gonna pray for you because you are welcome to be here. Imagine if our mindset changed. Imagine if we moved from being consumers to welcomers rather than grumbling after queue for ages at Morelli's. Other ice cream and um, (laughs) shops are available. In fact, 18 of them, I think someone counted along the prom, which is wonderful. 
Right, imagine if it changed. Um, about two weeks ago, I was, um, me and Mark Marks, who's part of the team here, we went for a walk up Slamish Mountain. I'd never been up Slamish Mountain before. Mark has, and so we, we went up. And as we came back down, we popped into the bathrooms at the bottom uh, of the mountain. And as I came out of the bathroom, there was a man standing, right? That sounds really creepy, but it really wasn't. He was there. And as I was standing there, he just looked at me and smiled. And he just sort of said, are you local? Are you from around here? I said, you know what, I'm, I'm from Korean, so not too far away. And he goes, oh, that's amazing. He says, you know what, I grew up here. I've been in England for a number of years, but I just love to come back and walk this mountain. And he began to show me where it was that he grew up. He began to talk about the mountain. He was bringing his son up that morning, and he just welcomed me. He wasn't wearing a Slemish T-shirt. He wasn't employed by the National Trust. He had just decided he was going to welcome me to his place. And do you know what? It felt amazing. So when we begin to understand all of these things, we move from being consumers to welcomers. The second thing that we do is we move from being attenders to includers. Imagine if that began to shift. Imagine when we went to a service. Imagine when we went to a football match or a concert or to the supermarket that we stopped just saying, this is about me showing up instead of said, who could I include as well? Who could I bring in? Who could I talk to? Who's the person that might be walking that aisle and they're actually having a really difficult day and just me including them for just a minute might really change their world? What about, what about that? What about after the service today? Rather than us just finding the people that we know already that we began to say, I'm gonna include someone I don't know. Would you see everyone sprinting to their cars afterwards now <laughs> just so they don't have to do Right, imagine that. Imagine if we change from being attenders to includers. I want to show you a tweet I saw two or three months ago from a girl called Rebecca McLaughlin. I have no idea who she is, but this is what she tweeted. Um, she said, my husband has three rules of engagement when we go to a church service. One, an alone person in our gathering is an emergency. Two, friends can wait. Three, introduce a newcomer to someone else. Let's all be missionaries at church today. Whoa. <laughs> Amen, Rebecca. And she goes on to talk in other tweets about how her husband is a total introvert. And every week in a church service, he disciplines himself to make sure these three rules happen. Isn't that phenomenal? So we move from being consumers to welcomers. We move from being attenders to includers. And then lastly, we'll move, oh no, not lastly. Thirdly, we'll move from being acquaintances to friends. Imagine when we turned up whether it's at a hub walk here as part of the church, whether it's our workplace, whether it's in that kind of wedding or party, and instead of us just trying to get some small talk and just get out of there alive, we actually connected and asked questions and invested in people's lives. Imagine if we went there thinking, I could be a friend today. I could bring connection and a world into someone's life that would change it. I wanna move from being an acquaintance to a friend. What would that change in our community? Do you know, I'm speaking to those who are probably a little older in the room, I'll include myself in it. I've heard a phrase that's come up again and again and again, and maybe other people younger than me have said it, where we say this, I don't need any new friends. The room's gone silent because we all agree. I don't need new friends. Do you know what? That's a self-fulfilling prophecy. When we begin to speak that over our lives, that's exactly what's gonna happen. But the goal of this series and where it's gonna jar us is that it's not about whether we have friends. It's about are we becoming friends to others? Are we lending our friendship? Are we lending our connection? 
to other people. Imagine we move from being acquaintances to friends. And as we do that, here's what begins to happen. We become family, mothers and fathers in the community. We become people who begin to give the destiny away to other people. We want to raise up others. It doesn't matter what age we are. You can be a mother and father in our community and you can be an 11, 12 years old because you've got a heart and an attitude that wants to move from being a consumer to a welcomer in the classroom, an attender to an includer in the assembly hall, an acquaintance to a friend in the lunchroom. You can be mothers and fathers in your school, in your workplace, in your community. That's the call that's on us. So let's revise it again. What's the goal? We want to move from isolation to what? In order to do that, we need to understand that we are what? Called, trusted, equipped, and released. We're going to do that in every space, in the community spaces, in the crowd spaces, in the connected spaces, and in the close spaces. And that will help us to move from being consumers to welcomers, from being attenders to includers, from acquaintances to friends, so that we can be mothers and fathers in our community. Amen. Amen. I want to finish with a confession and an apology. I'm terrible at this. And there's been times in the stage where I've joked about how much I find it hard to connect with people. And I actually do want to repent and say I'm sorry because what I was saying at that point is going against what God's will is for our community. It would be the same as me saying that I don't pray or I don't read the Bible. So I apologize that I haven't led you well. Janet's done a great job at leading you in this, but I haven't led you well in this. And here's the thing. I'm a really good consumer. I'm really good at it. So much better at consuming than I am at welcoming. Do you know when I go to a coffee shop, I don't want the barista to talk to me. The only things I want them to say is, what do you want? And here it is. (laughs) If they engage me in more than that, I'm frustrated. But that's horrendous. If I'm truly a follower of Jesus that wants to see a community move from isolation into family, should that be my attitude? No. So I'm sorry. Here's the other, I'm a really good attender. I'm far better at attending than I am including people. I, in the, the, the 9.30 service, my friend Russell was here and Russell and I go to Northern Ireland matches together. And um, when we go to the Northern Ireland match, there's a guy that I have to sit beside and honestly, every time I, I see him, I'm like, oh no, that's not Russell. <laughs> because I know in every game, this guy's normally had a few drinks and he's going to tell me stuff and I don't really understand him. <laughs> and it's really noisy and the whole time I'm just like, oh Lord, let him finish so that I can watch the game. But that's horrendous. I don't even know his name. I know his seat number. I don't know his name. That's wrong. That's wrong. I have to move from being an attender to being included. What if I actually sat down, got to know his name and said, how has your week been? Russell told me we've got tickets for Wednesday night, so I'm actually going to have to do it. But what if in Wednesday night I turn up and I see him and I just sort of say, how's the last 18 months been for you, buddy? Tell me what's happened. How how have you survived this? 
What if I moved from being an intender to actually including him in my world and lending my strength to him? I'm a far better acquaintance than I am a friend. I'm the best nodder that you'll meet. Like, how you doing? Walk on. How you doing? Walk on. I have a skill at forgetting names. I'm terrible at it. (laughs) I've forgotten your name before you've even said your name. Like, that's how good I am at forgetting names. And because I'm so embarrassed, I just nod and walk on because it's just easier. But that's not right. I don't know if I'll get better at the name thing. But I need to move past just nodding and moving on to actually create friends. Do you know why? Because I want to be a father in this community. I'm willing to push past my preference and my insecurity in order to be a father in this community. And I know that so many of us in this room have the same feeling. You want to be a mother and a father in community. This is going to mean that we're going to have to change. If we want to see people move from isolation to family, we're going to have to understand we're called, trusted, equipped, and released to do it in community, the crowd, the connect, the space, and the close. We need to move from being consumers to welcomers, from being attenders to includers, move from being acquaintances to friends so that we can be mothers and fathers in the community. And guess what? That's what changes isolation into family. If we do that every day, in every way, that's what will change it. The last thing I want to say is this, I was reading um, Obama's um, autobiography, biography, I never know the difference in that. And um, if you're watching from America, I'm not making a political statement, it just happened to be the one that I was reading. And there was something that he said in that that really struck me when he was based in Chicago when he was doing some campaigning, uh, I think it was for his seat on the Senate, I think, I'm not sure. And this is what he said, I thought it was so powerful. He said, as long as the residents of my area remain strangers to one another, our world would never truly change. If on the other hand, we could somehow challenge the reigning assumptions about how divided we were, then and maybe just then it would be possible to build a new covenant in our communities. (laughs) If we remain strangers to one another, our world will never truly change. But if maybe we could close the space between us, there could be a new covenant that starts one where everyone is set in family. Why don't you stand? We're going to pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, We know you're here and we thank you for your presence with us. Firstly, we want to thank you for the words in that psalm, God, that we cannot escape your presence because we are known by you, that everywhere we go, you are with us. And the first thing I want to do just as we pray today is I want to give you the opportunity here today, if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't had the opportunity to enter into a relationship with him. Everything we've spoken about him today is true. He's seen you. He's seen you in your worst place. He's seen you in your best place. And you know what? He loves you the same in both. He's seen your mistakes. He's seen your successes. And you know what? It doesn't put him off one bit in either area. He just loves you. And so I want to give you an opportunity today while everyone else has their eyes closed and their head bowed if you want to give your yes to him today, if you want to begin that journey, that exploration of a life with Jesus, then would you just raise your hand just high enough so I can see it. If you're online, you can put that in the comments or 
indicate that to the team on there. Is there anyone today that wants to make that decision? I'm not gonna bring you up to the front or do anything like that. I just wanna see you so I can pray for you. Put it up high enough so I can see it. I do feel strongly there is someone here that wants to make that decision today. It's not a pressure thing. Please don't feel that. I just wanna give you that opportunity. If I've heard that wrong, I'll wait. But I'll wait for one, a few more seconds. It's okay. Holy Spirit, come. I just want to pray for, for all of us in the room today when I was describing just how I often feel on the core or on the edge or the margin, not the core, sorry, in the margin in relationships. You just felt like I was talking straight to you. In fact, it could be every one of us. If that's you today and you just need to know deep in your soul how known you are, why don't you just put your hand on your heart? Just want the Father to remind you again how loved you are how you never need to feel alone, how you never need to doubt his presence. Holy Spirit, would you remind us today, Lord, that you set the lonely in families. So Lord, set us in family today. Help us to know what that looks like. Help us to know what that feels like. Come, Holy Spirit. To those who are struggling today, God, come. Bring your connection. Lord, that we would not just know it, but we would, it would just be too much, too wonderful for us. That there would be nowhere we would go that we couldn't find you. But we'd never be out of your sight, Lord. If we climbed to the sky, then we'd know that you're there. If we went underground, we'd see you there. If we flew in the morning's wings to the furthest shore, that you'd find us in a minute, Lord. We know that it's true, but Lord, help us to know that it's true. Release that to me and to my friends today. And lastly, Father, before Tori and Joel come and close our service, we want to pray for our communities. God, we pray for an end to isolation. We pray for an end to isolation, Lord. I think of people that are waking up in their homes this morning, Lord, right across this community, God, and they think that no one cares and they think that they can't lift the phone to anyone, Lord, that there would be no one to look after them if anything went wrong. Lord, we pray today, Lord, that those people would know your connection today, Father God. They would know it spiritually, but they would also know it physically today, Father God. Lord, we pray, Lord, for those, Lord, who are just struggling, those who have lost, God, those who are lost as well, Father God. Would you come? But Lord, we fully realize it's gonna require you to send us. And so, Lord, as we say yes, we say yes to your promise. We say yes to your invitation. So, Holy Spirit, send us as we leave this building today. We'd enter into all that you have for us. And all God's people said, amen, amen. You can take your seat. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for our podcast today. For more information, resources, and opportunities, you can check us out at cosmicoastvineyard.com.